Have you enjoyed listening to travel and shit? Well, then consider becoming a subscriber. Beginning December 1st, you can support the work I've been doing to get you an episode each week and get exclusive access to all episodes one week early. Beginning December 1st, exclusive early access will be given to subscribers. I'd love to give you first listen. Consider supporting the show and becoming a subscriber. For more info, go to travelandshitpodcast.com slash subscribe. I made it around the world And came back with stories to tell Different places to call home Now I'm never on my own Dietations, to my people hitting foreign nations Food, travel and shit, moving to live Life in the sky, stories to give The ones who make it there and can make it back Salutations and shit, folks. Welcome, 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 welcome back to another episode of your favorite travel podcast, Travel and Shit, where I, your host, D. Carrie, have a nuanced conversation about um, how travel intersects with regular life. I, again, every single time I do that intro, I get in my head about using my hands. And it's just like, girl, why? You do it, right? I don't think about it at any other time during this recording except for the intro, but alas, here we are. And I feel like I bring that up often, but guess what? It's on my spirit, so I'm to share with you. So as per the usual, I have a guest. I like to dive right in. So my beautiful guest with the lovely fall colors, if you could please introduce yourself. Thank you so much for joining me for any, please let the people know who you are. Yeah, so my name is Princess Francois, also known as Franny the Traveler. So as a full-time position, I am a nonprofit executive director of an organization that helps first-generation low-income college students persist through college and increase their economic mobility. Boom. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I have just got <laughs> to pause you there and say, first of all, thank you for that work. And two, remind me, um, my uncle actually works in a, in a very similar field. He works with Project Brownstone, big ups to Project Brownstone, who basically has a very similar mis- mission statement. So I definitely want to talk to you about that afterwards. But boom, please continue. Yes. Um, but I always like to highlight that I'm an educator because prior to this, I was an assistant principal for six years of a charter Ooh. high school and I was a high, high school, school at em- that. Yes. Girl, <laughs> I was just saying to somebody yesterday, high school is a fucking assholes. Y'all are assholes. Love y'all. Love y'all down. But y'all are rough. Okay. Rough. And I was a high school chemistry teacher for five years before that. So <laughs> I love the kids. <laughs> so basically you do the Lord's work. Copy. Basically, basically. Copy. And the Lord has led me now to college students as my calling. <laughs> <laughs> Full gamut of assholes. Mm, yeah. We love y'all down. Okay. Y'all are supposed to be assholes within reason. Reason. Like we get it. We get it. We were there. Tone it down, y'all. Tone it down. Exactly. But for why we're here. And so I'm also I consider myself a part time travel blogger and now published author. <laughs> Congrats. Wait, let me see if I know this, but it'll be faster on my phone so I can pop up. Boom. Yes. And you see that in the back. <laughs> OK, come on, plug. Got a physical copy. right here. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, first, all right, I, I'm going to let you finish with your introduction. I'm sorry. 
before I no, I mean in. I think that I, I capture all the things. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. New York is my home through and through. So <laughs> everybody swear I'm from Brooklyn. I'm not. I'm a Queens girl from South Side. But I get it. You know what I mean? Like I get it, y'all. Brooklyn's live, Queens is live, but similarities abound. But how did you get into the part-time blogging part? Yeah, that is a good question. So this, I would say, is about five years ago, I think, when I first finally like hit published on that blog. And I think part of it was so many people just kept coming up to me asking about my trips and asking for tips. And so I'm like, it would just make sense to have a mm-hmm. place where you can go back in the future. And so the educator in me is like, okay, use a blog to educate others. Like document, document, guys. document. Exactly. And so that's exactly how it all started off. And I've been on this journey ever since. And I think it's had very different iterations and evolved mm-hmm. over time of what it's looked like. And can I just, um, like all jokes aside, special place in my heart for educators. My mom was an educator. My grandma was an educator. My partner's mom is an educator. So I always wanted to be a teacher. And so my mama was like, I love you, girl. Don't do it because you're not going to be able to do it the way you want to. I appreciate you. You were a real one. But I, tr- I, I love teachers down. Like so many of the most important people in my life have been teachers. So I, I truly respect and appreciate the work y'all do. I feel like it is one of those things where people always say, oh, yeah, teachers are the bread of our lives. But I, for one, I do mean that. So thank you for that work, especially my mom was also a principal for a stint. And I know um, she was vice principal, excuse me, for a stint. And I know what that is like. The And a lot of my friends are actually in education, teaching, administration. So it's mm-hmm. one thing to be a student and see and think you have an idea of what teachers and principals do, but then it's another thing when you see how much of that work they still bring home, how much of their students they carry with them through everything between seeing them on the street to making sure that there are different activities outside of school hours that are available and adequately, um, not just funded, but like chaperoned and staffed and making sure the kids have the extra, the pens, the paper, the costumes, the lighting, the, it's a lot y'all. And so thank you for all of that. But, I appreciate um, you acknowledging the whole <laughs> spectrum of what it entails. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And y'all have to be regular people with regular lives outside of how much of you pour into um, your students. And I feel like Abbott is a great talking point of current. Oh, yes, I love Abbott. That people can point to and say, damn, y'all really go through it. Yes, yes, they do. And as a teacher's kid, I I have seen it firsthand. So thank you for that. Um, so we know how you got into the blogging, but what was your travel story like? Did you grow up traveling? Did you um, have to come into traveling? Did you always see yourself as a traveler? What was your early experience of travel like? No, this is a good question because I, so I never got into traveling until my early 20s. So growing up, travel was just always the tri-state area. Like we went to Mm -hmm. New Jersey, we went to Connecticut, we would hop on the Metro North. A lot of, you know, hopping on subways and the public buses to see different areas, which I think in New York, we have so many different populations of people. Mm -hmm. But I never got on a plane until I was 22 years old during my first year teaching. 
And that's because I asked my principal to send me to a science teacher conference. So mm. my first plane is like anticlimactic because it was to Indianapolis, Indiana, like the most <laughs> like okay someone right. is excited about that trip yeah right right but for me i was excited because i was like oh this is like the first like plane and it's solo like i'm not going with anyone else yeah. and so that summer was also the first time i had an international trip too so um a friend of mine and i went to costa rica so i nice. had a passport until that point too so i had to figure all that out um and then I had a professor who was a big traveler. And so while I was in grad school, he made it a point to say, you know, as an educator, you could be traveling every single mm. break. So I took that mm -hmm. literally. And that's how I feel like I've been on like this binge travel mode for the last 10 plus years. What's your, uh, what would you say your travel style has? So before I get into that, what is your current state of travel like right like so travel was new to you as a young adult now that we're not young adults anymore right you've been experienced as a traveler what is what is your travel experience like now how do you like how would you compare the two like when you started it was mostly like say for work right yeah. or as the opportunity struck how do you or how would you title your travel now? Is it more of a luxury travel? Do you still travel for work mostly? Or is it that you do like a lot of backpacking? Do you do more local trips, road trips? No, What's your bag? So I think when I first started to travel, a lot of it was for work. I was always the one trying to take advantage of conferences because I'm like, oh, that's an all expense paid trip yes so, hello <laughs> like, and so I was the always the one asking and advocating and you know closed mouths don't get fed like people didn't realize that was the plug um so a lot of my travel was domestic however mm -hmm. when we had extended breaks like we would have a week off for president's day or for christmas that would be the time where I would do more of the international trips mm -hmm. so a lot of my travel when I was an educator was tied to the school calendar. It's not right. a thing where you would just like take off. Um, but I would use the long weekends, for example, to do domestic trips nearby. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I was like frequenting travel. I think right now my travel has started to pivot a little because now that I'm in a new role, I'm like, oh, what is this flexible PTO? Like what is, oh, I could just like request and take right. these. <laughs> and I won't. Right. And also now this job is more remote. So I'm trying to also think about how do I take advantage of that? So mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of domestic trips when it comes to that. So I remember over the summer, I had taken two domestic trips where I would take like one PTO, but then I was like remote the whole week and still quote unquote, like working. Like I was still right, right. emails. So trying to take advantage of that. But I think now I'm getting back into the international travel swing. Cause I think the pandemic obviously has like yeah. halted a lot of that. I wouldn't see myself as a luxury traveler, but I'm like a budget lux. Like I like comfort. I like to be in a hotel. I like to be in a resort, but you're not going to find like extravagant travel out of me. But okay. I coined myself as a microcation queen because I know how to maximize a place in a short period of time domestically or internationally. <laughs> it would, uh, it would appear so according to the uh the text so 
let's dive into it since it's uh, on the table now. So first, let me have you do your intro and then I'll get into why I love your iteration of this so much. So please let the people know what your published author, is this the debut? Is this like so your first published I have- work? So this is my first published work. Yes, it is. Congratulations. Big moment, big moment. Two years in the making. (laughs) Wow. That's a, that's, that's a labor of love. Cause it's very easy to just be like, you know what? I'm tired or to take a break. And then that break turns into two years, three years. And five years later you look up and it's like, oh, I could have been done, but life happened. So congrats. That is admirable. I appreciate it. No, I really think it's a labor of love. But to what we're alluding to, so this book, Support Black Period, a green book to eliminate your ifs, ands, or buts, I view it as a modern day green book, but with a spin. Um, Because when we think of the green book, we think of it just being places that are safe spaces for Black people. And it's just like a listing of places. But this book is significantly more than just a listing of Black places. It's a framework to, you know, pivot people's mindset in terms of how you're supporting the Black community, but it's also stories of history, stories of personal narrative. So I would hope within the actual text, you're learning strategies that uh, that you could apply for yourself. You're also seeing yourself in the stories that I'm personally sharing. And you're also just going to nerd out in history that you probably never knew because it was never taught in your textbook. <laughs> so that is why I really appreciated this iteration of the book. So there have been, of course, the original. And then... Um, I'm certain that, well, I'm not certain. You might know. Have there been any other iterations of the Green Book that were, I would say, outside of, what is his name, Victor Hugo? Um, Victor Hugo Green, yep. Outside of his initial project, was there another one before Marty's book? Not that I'm aware of. I think Marty was the next, yeah. So the difference in Franny's book compared to the other ones is that it is not just a listing. It is actually accompanied with stories. It is incorporated with information, like research, right? So one of the part, the, let me go to my pictures. Okay, I think this is the last book, the last section here. I want to say this is from the, not the, it might be from the acknowledgments or the intro. Like if I read it, you'll probably pick up on it. So it says to pass green books, skipping, skipping, skipping. The educator and me wanted to take the concept of the green book to the next level by curating a book of resources and providing history, rationale, tips, and strategies and my personal narrative. My book provides the how complementing these past green books and I think the how was always like the missing piece because there's always a list a blog a uh, what do you call the uh the the social yeah, media like directories and yeah the um what's the one where you have uh, like slideshows like the slides oh the carousels see. thank yeah. you I knew there was a fucking word I, I'm not a social media girl it, I, I started and I was into it and then it was just like one day I just I don't 
I don't enjoy it, but carousels, like there are so many different um, avenues, resources, places where the information is there, but without context. So it'll be buy Black here, Black these here, or this Black experience there, and necessary and appreciated. However, why this place over that place? What about this place is actually interesting? I personally know that my first trip that comes to mind where this would have made a huge difference was Rome. So I got to Rome and we all know there's a Colosseum, there's a Parthenon, there are all the places that historically you've heard of, but I'm not in high school anymore, right? So I can't remember 20 something years later why this place was world renowned or important. I couldn't tell you what happened at the Parthenon except for what was like Plato, Aristotle, one of them niggas, I don't know, something. They was doing things, they were speaking, pontificating and all the things, but I didn't remember. And it was like, all right, so I Google places to go, but I'm like, all right, well, that's not interesting. This isn't interesting. But then after I got home, it actually Googled stories about what these places were and not just the tourist highlights, popular places here, tourist stops in there or listing of the top 15 things to do in Rome, I realized, oh, actually, this would have been interesting to have in mind while at this place. So once you get there, you know why you're there and you're able to more fully under, not understand, but enjoy. Well, depends on the type of person you are, right? I enjoy history. History was my bag in high school. You mentioned you were a chemistry teacher. Shout out to my chemistry teacher in high school, sister somebody. She, I absolutely could have been a doctor now. Thanks, girl, if you're even still alive, okay? <laughs> Ruined the experience for me. Ruined it. And I was always a great student. And then I got to sister somebody. I can't remember It her name makes anymore. a difference, somebody. the teacher you had. <laughs> when I tell you, that was the first time my mama ever had to come to, and the only time my mother ever had to come to school and talk to a teacher about me. That was the only time. And I gotta say, shout out to my, I don't even know if I told you this story, mom. I always appreciate it. And I felt so affirmed when that, te- that lady tried to tell my mama, your daughter has a problem with being wrong. My mother was like, and my mother's a teacher. So mind you, she's not one of those, oh yeah, you know, my child does no wrong or, well, let me tell you about, it was just like, all right, so I'm gonna hear what you got to say, because clearly there's something going on. And when that lady said that, my mother was like, my child does not have a problem with being wrong. She has a problem with being wrong without having a reason why she's wrong. Mm. She's not just going to take you telling her she's wrong and leave it at that. She needs to know why she's wrong. How else is she going to be right if she doesn't know why she's not wrong? That's her. but you gotta play cool because you know my mother also ain't play that shit so that was my chemistry experience but still that to say is one thing to have loosely in the back of your mind what you think you know about something or have an idea of this is going to be fun this is going to be interesting but if you're not interested in reading all the placards and you have no reason or basis for what your experience should entail you miss a lot of opportunities. And I feel like in hindsight, I wish that I'd had that context while I was there so that I could have better enjoyed the time and the space that I was in while I had made it that far to whatever part of the, well, from obviously to Italy, I had made it that far and I missed, I missed the bag. I missed the boat. Like I didn't really enjoy I didn't really like Rome first of all but that I think you and me both I was not a fan of it either yeah the people were just so fucking dry and this is from a New Yorker it's just like it was a different kind of dry to me I didn't I felt as if 
I was being ignored. Like you, I wasn't even here. It's one thing to like be dismissed or like you do you, I'll do me. We coexist in the same space. I felt like so many of the people there just did not see me as a person being Mm. here in front of them. And that on top of I'm walking around and I'm seeing a bunch of stuff and I'm like, oh, this is pretty, this is cool. I'm like, "Hmm, okay, I know what this is. But if I don't have a reason why it doesn't resonate the same for me. So outside of being an educator, what about your travels made, not subsistence, but context? What got you to the point where, or what experiences have you personally had in your travels that made it so that you wanted to express and share that with other people? I think some of it is similar to what you're talking about. I'm also like a history nerd and I like to just understand the context of where I'm at, what am I looking at? And so what I noticed is, and I wouldn't, I wasn't always this type of traveler, like this evolved over time where I started embedding museums into my experience. Mm. I started embedding walking tours. And the reason why that started to happen was I wanted to start to get that context from locals. I think I was having one-off experiences sometimes where I would meet a local and they would give me information on what is it like to live here. And I'm like, oh, wow, like this is just super enlightening. So how do I get access to that information? So I realized I have to intentionally input it into a trip. Mm -hmm. And I think there was when I went to DR, actually, it's one of the trips I regret only because it was the one trip I just stayed on the resort. Mm -hmm. I did not seek out that local experience. And so from that point on, I'm like, no matter where I go, even if it's for a half day, even if it's for a couple of hours, I want to dig deeper into understanding the historical context of where I'm at and what is it like to actually be in this place as a local. And so I think my travel started to shift where I started embedding these experiences. And then as I learned this stuff, I'm like, how many people actually know this information? And Mm -hmm. so when I start sharing it on a blog, I started realizing, oh, people do not know this information. And so why not codify it and have a more permanent legacy beyond the blog? Because I think obviously we're in a tech world, virtual world, but we know books are here to stay for Mm -hmm. like hundreds of years to come. And so I just thought about what is going to be my legacy on this earth. And so I was like, here's the book. (laughs) And I think the way you did it also makes for your version to have longevity in the sense that we are in a time and place where a business could be here for 25 years and then disappear. We've seen it happen, sadly, after COVID, like mainstay, like not destinations, but brick and mortar establishments, businesses that have been serving their communities for years, unfortunately, did not make it through the pandemic. And I think also just in terms of sometimes they just decide to do something else or they move on for whatever reason, a company doesn't exist. Your version of the green book still has the why. Your version of the green book still has the, well, this is how we got here. And without these particular uh, businesses or establishments or services in particular, you still have the rest of the information to go on your own and figure out what you're doing. And it's not just um, also like a checklist, right? It's more of a, I don't know why symposium popped up in my brain but it's more of a 
like a gentle push to, and this is my experience of the book, right? So as I'm ingesting the content, it's more of a, oh, this is actually just really interesting information to me. So let me see. Oh, wait. Okay. So this happened here. Let me see if they have another one of these someplace else. Oh, they got this in Minnesota. I ain't going to be in Minnesota this month, but let me see what's in Jersey or, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. Black ice cream shops. You know what I mean? Like, one of my favorite chapters, just because I love ice cream, but I actually did not even know the history of ice cream until I decided, I was like, you know what? You just going to put a chapter on it just because you do not think of black people and ice cream. No. And then as Ever. I started searching, I was like, my mind is blown of how integral we were to the history of ice cream. <laughs> Never would have freaking known. Never would have known. And these are things that you can tap into while you're traveling, right? So there's so much history. The diaspora is one of the most beautiful things to me just because it is so expansive. It's one of those things like, to me, it's kind of like a Pandora's box, right? You don't know what's in here, but I don't see anything stopping. Like it's one of those things that is just kind of endless, past, future, present, all of it is included in the diaspora. So it's like, why would there be like a beginning or an end kind of thing? So it's like, there are so many different pockets. There's so many avenues, whatever your, whatever your jam is, there's space for that. And there's also going to be some brown hands dabbling in whatever it is. So why not look into what the Black history surrounding what your interests are may be, especially if you're in a space that isn't what you're used to. You could even do it where you are. If you find out that I didn't know that my city or my state, at least the city neighboring, I could take a bus here or I could get here in, you know, a couple of hours so I can do a quick little overnight trip from home, you know, nice little Friday to Saturday or come home Sunday, kind of whatever your little razzle dazzle vacation may be, whatever it looks like. You can do all of those things with this one resource. And I really, really appreciate the context. I am Lost without saying, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, it is so sad that we have to do the work as Black people to find this information. And I really appreciate about this iteration of the book. Every every version of it has its place. Every version of it has a space or a reason as to why it is particularly helpful and useful to people. But this one in particular, I feel like it steps outside of just visiting these locations or, you know, maybe purchasing something from a store or a um, service provider or an artist, but more into, okay, so this can be something that is more uh, perpetual. Like I can, I can consistently do this in my, all right, well, it's weekend. We're going to celebrate my homegirl's birthday. I'm in charge of putting whatever, whatever together. So, you know what? Let me get somebody black that does balloon arches. Let me find somebody. Let me let me get a black cake. Uh, we're going to get a cake, but we're going to have a sis make the cake. You know what? Let's have this person do photography, whatever the case may be. And I hate that we have to do this work. But this resource, for one, makes it so much easier to even give you an idea of all right, well, I'm going to be here. I don't necessarily know what they're good at or what they're good for, because you could look at history of Minnesota. What are the chances you're going to find Black people pop up in the first six uh, search results? You know what I mean? So it's like this way, you know where to start. You've got a framework and you actually have a lot of inspiration along the way. 
I, I'm still stuck on the ice cream. I had no clue that we were involved in. I mean, it would make sense. Right. <laughs> us. We, it's us, right? Right. <laughs> but so where did you find that you had the outside of the ice cream, like the most, not necessarily aha, but the most. So I'm going to phrase it this way. Where was your passion most ignited? In all of the different chapters, where did you find that you were more int- like you were very interested in the research, like in the just dirty information of it all? Just like, damn, I'm just sit and read because this is interesting and I'll get more to what I'm here to do after I ingest this information. So I think aside from the ice cream, the tea um, mm. section, and I almost didn't. In my original outline, black tea was not even part of the chapter, but I realized, okay, I'm actually not a coffee drinker myself. So I was like, there's probably other folks like me who are the tea drinkers. And then as I started digging deeper and deeper, I did not realize how much of tea history like connects back to the continent of Africa and the motherland. Mm. Um, and then I realized we always think of tea associated with Asia. We always think of tea associated with the Boston Tea Party, but nobody talks about how tea has been like actively grown in various countries in Africa. Mm. But I think as a whole section, for me, the learn Black is always the most interesting because back to the context, but trying to look at, there's so many other ways to learn black history you can like if you're a museum person you could go right ahead you love the outdoors you know you could go through national parks or go through trails or for me i love guided tours and i realize people just don't know how to find them but they're out mm-hmm. there um so just to put that all together i was really excited to do that because i've taken so many on my travels at this point what would you say like your best advice for using your book as a resource would be? No, that's a good question because I think people can use the book in multiple ways. So my personal suggestion is actually read it cover for cover. Mm-hmm. I think when people think of a green book, it's like, oh, I'm just going to open it and look at it for when I need it. Right. Like, oh, I'm interested in like a black bookstore. Let me just look at um where it is because I'm just in that location. But I think people I want to remind people there's actually content in the book like it's not just a listing and so if you want to truly have that intentional shift happen and see your behaviors change whether you're a black person or an ally you should actually read the book cover to cover and if it feels intimidating to read cover to cover at least start selecting chapters of things you're interested in because there's something of interest as you pointed out to everyone so maybe just dig into like the black coffee chapter or dig (laughs) into the black wine chapter but if you want to truly understand the framework and go on that journey read it cover to cover so in your writing of the book do you have any trips that you kind of touched on that stand out to you in particular Yes. So one that stood out to me, and I actually put a picture when I came from this trip, was Cleveland, Ohio. Um, And partly of why, um, so I discovered it was a really small Black vineyard in literally, it was like the most, it's like, 
you just would not find it. Like, it's not like okay. in your downtown area or anything. And I don't even remember how I came across it. I think I was just doing like a Google search that came up. So I swung by. It was this older Black man and his story really got to me. And the sad part is he actually passed a couple of years oh. ago because I was Googling what happened to the vineyard as I wrote the book. And then I found out he passed, but he used to be someone who was incarcerated. Mm -hmm. But when he got out, he made it his mission on how he can help other incarcerated people who come out to have a more viable employee, like employable option. And so he trains people who were recently incarcerated in his vineyard. Um, so just that story alone of like how you're giving back and also black wine is a thing that you don't think of. And it was actually some of the best wine I ever oh, wow. had. Like if I didn't have a carry on, I would have packed so many bottles and brought it home. But I was like, you know what? The moment is just going to stay here yeah. in Cleveland with that. I wouldn't have expected that from Cleveland. Yeah, we, we drove through on our trip to uh, Detroit and we just stayed like in, in town. We didn't really do any uh, substantial investigating, but it was such a cute little space it was like um I don't remember where it was it was like a town square and it was just like CVS restaurant here store there store there restaurant here and it was mad black people in the area and it's funny that you brought up Cleveland because I was listening to um the friend zone and I want to say Fran is we're actually working on a project of I think it was Cleveland I don't know if it's the most or if it is one of the most just, I don't know if it was working or living, but Black women in Cleveland just basically have a really shit time at it mm -hmm. in one of those. And she's actually looking for um, Black women from Cleveland, whether they were educated in Cleveland, lived in Cleveland, have spent a significant amount of time and are very familiar with um, Cleveland to reach out to her. So if that's you, find Hey Fran, hey, on the social someplace and see if you can find information about that. But the there and it's like it's one of those things where if you end up in a pocket and these are the only people you see, you don't necessarily think, I wonder what that experience is like. Because in my head, it's just like, okay, y'all got a very pop there's plenty of black people. Like right. it's in this little circle, right? But that's it. It's this little circle. I don't know what extends beyond this circle. I don't know. <clears throat> Excuse me if this circle is it, I don't know if this is where you got to come to this one CVS right. to get foundation or right. to get fucking blue magic. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if this is your only outsource, your only source for certain products that you know that we use, but like not everybody else uses. So those are things that is one thing to think about. Like you support the black business, you go, you eat, you have a good time. Thank you. You tip well and you leave, but then it's like, well, what did you leave behind or what did you take with you? What was the experience outside of just going to get something to eat? Do you have any experiences that you may have included in the book or not that you feel have changed who you are and how you actively do your work with um, children or with the nonprofit or just in terms of whatever uh, role or position that you are in? No, that's a good question. But I actually want to touch on what you was just saying. I think 
we also take it for granted because we're from New York, right? Like we know like our people yeah. are everywhere. But part of what you're talking about of, okay, like what is the experience of a Black person in an area is literally why I had the Amplify section of the book and why on my Instagram, I'm doing like an Amplify Black series. So for every location mm. I feature, either having someone the ideal who is a local and black from that area or someone who traveled to that area as a black person. So we can have a conversation on what is it like traveling and being black in that specific location. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is just, you made me think of that because that's literally what I'm trying to do right now for Philly in terms of featuring someone who lives in Philly, who's all about it of like, okay, what is your experience? Because your experience maybe very different living in Philly versus me traveling to Philly as a black person. I'm a tag. Um, I'm thinking of two. I actually have a couple of friends in Philly. I'm a tag them for you because um, Shira, um, black girl, rural traveler, she's actually from Philly. And I linked up with her on my last Philly trip. And my boy Drew is actually a chef out there and he's from Philly. And so saw him while I was out there. So I'm gonna tag them on the post. So you've got so and Shira, Black Girl World Traveler, like is a traveler. So she'll have a nice um point of reference, a point of view. I think that she can contribute to that for you. Oh yeah, I would love that. Um, but to your question in terms of, you know, experiences I've had and how I take that, I think with me in roles I've been, I mean, honestly, when I think about, especially when I had high school students, I always viewed I felt like I was bringing travel back to them because mm. many of them didn't also, they were like me, like you couldn't afford to necessarily travel at that point, didn't have a passport. And so, for example, when I travel, I would buy um, little trinkets or souvenirs. Like I would bring, I remember I brought back like actual Danish butter cookies. Cause you know how they have like the tins, that uh-huh. you have, but like, actually no this is from Denmark like this is the real butter cookies or bringing back you know chocolate from Guadalupe um and so also with that it's like bringing back photos and bringing back knowledge because like I said the history nerd in me so it's like here's all these things I learned and the stories um I bring with me so I think I realize like being a storyteller is very pivotal in terms of like sharing of information Road trips give you the flexibility of taking the most control of your itinerary. No airline delays or cancellations. You can sit in your own germs and move at your own pace. Whether you're looking for family-friendly or something romantic, history and heritage, or a foodie's delight, I've got you covered. Choose your trip based on the vibe or the distance you feel like driving. This pack includes D.C., Philly, Hartford, Burlington, and Montreal. All destinations are a few hours from New York City, so they're perfect for anyone along the East Coast to tap into. The download also includes a packing list, pre-trip car prep guide, and a playlist of travel and shit road trip content. These itineraries are perfect for travelers who enjoy having a plan with space for spontaneity. Head over to travelandshitpodcast.com slash travel resources slash road trip to download your copy and take the stress of planning and packing off the table while you focus on the road. And I'm so glad you mentioned Guadalupe. Guadalupe was, first of all, it was a surprise good time. 
I don't know how the fuck I ended up in Guadalupe. Probably just because the flight was cheap. So I'm like, yeah, I think there right. was just a time where the flights were cheap. <laughs> I guess that's where we're going. I went January right before pandemic. So January 2020. And I had the most interest. And I'm, I wonder, did you do any um, black history tours while you were out there? So I did a tour that wasn't intentionally black history, but turned into black history because the guy was just so passionate in showcasing. He was black. History. He was black. Yes. Okay. So it was like a I forgot. It's like those tuk tuk tours, but they have a different oh. name for it okay. in Guadalupe. Uh, so we saw like different statues, and he was given context of the history and how long slavery actually existed on the mm-hmm. island, which was mind blown. And they also have that um, slavery museum too that like walks you through like slavery and African diaspora it's like almost the equivalent of like the one in DC but it's like actually Mm. a chronological um experience you go through I had a very unsimilar experience (laughs) (laughs) so let me start off by saying they were both incredible they were great they did their best and this is where again I say I hate that we have to work so hard to get this information. So I ended up getting two really incredible tours. First one, Ben and Katya, they were great, but one Katya is like a white woman from Russia and Ben is a white man from like New England or something. They were around the same age as me. We had a great time, mad fucking dope. They really looked out for me. And he did his fucking best. He had his little notebook. He had many notes, you know, and I'm just like. Oh, he was actively searching. Yes. So my man did his job, right? Did his job. But I will never, ever lose this quote. And I got this one from Columbia when I did. um, I don't remember which one Alex Rocha's tour guide is. um, Real Cartagena experience or experience real Cartagena I, I don't remember but I know but that's like man, the one all black folk know to yes, go to we all know when we're going to Colombia you are gonna go to Palenque with fucking Alex Alex and with Chris like that that squad is what's taking you there shout out to them it was an incredible fucking trip but let a black man tell you like teach you black history or let a black man tell you about black history and it's just like that has always resonated in my mind, anytime a non-Black person is giving me information about Black history. Mm. So I did not like necessarily look up Black history tour given by a Black person. But when I booked on, I want to say it was Airbnb, that's where um, the Airbnb and Expedia are my, and Viator are my favorite uh, apps to book like the, because I love a good walking tour as well. So same, I'm there with you because I feel like it's the easiest way to get culture for a place as well as you shoot the shit. Somebody's taking your picture, they're answering questions and they tend to be really- And you just also know where you walk in. So if you're going to be here for five days, you just told me where everything is. And now I can get here on my own. And now I know where to go, what not to go. I like suggestions of things that Google's not going to tell me about. Or suggestions about things from someone that actually fucking lives there. I'm trying to see if you can so, see. This was the black man that like did it. Okay, hey bro, how you doing? That wasn't my that wasn't my guy. Wasn't um, but I respect that he did his best 
But at the same time, I'm looking at him like, you know, I could have looked this up myself, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. have known where to go. Right. I wouldn't have known where to go. So they did provide that. They took me around where they were going. And um, so they made for a good experience. However, on another day, my guide, and what was great about both tours was they were basically very customizable. It was like, you reach out mm-hmm. to them, you have an entire day trip and you basically tell them of the six options they offer, what it is you want to do. And if something isn't on there, you talk to them, they throw it in, you figure it out and pay it and you have a great time. Great time. Did a bunch of different things. The rum distillery. We did. We went. I ended up going surfing. That wasn't even included, but they took me surfing. They were helping me learn how to surf. We ended up doing sunset yoga. Highly recommend them. Highly recommend. Maybe not necessarily for the Black History part of the tour, but for a lot of other things. Well, for all the other things, because that Hello. actually was in Guadalupe. I had a tour guide, like for more of like the different spots, like to the botanical gardens to. Um, you know the beaches but it was actually a white woman who did it and was really good too but I I just know I wasn't gonna rely on you for that part but she is the one who helped me coordinate this tuk-tuk tour that like turned to a real black as fuck tour basically <laughs> so let me tell you about the white woman that gave me my second tour who ended up not being a white woman and that's why that mm-hmm. experience in particular was like Oh, you just got to talk to people, just Mm -hmm. fucking talk to people. So mad nice. She wasn't as I'd say like outgoing as Ben and Katya as more like engaging and just like, ha ha ha, have a good time. Like she was a little bit older, I guess. I don't know. And we were talking and I don't remember how we got on it, but she basically was saying, oh yeah, well, no, Black people on the island, white people on the island, this familial names mean a big deal. Like you say your family name and then people automatically like kind of know who you are, like who your stock is and like what, who you're from, where you're from and all that jazz. And she was saying how it was just like, she would have one experience and her cousins would have another. Her daddy is a black man. Her dad looks like me, but her Mm -hmm. mom, I guess, wasn't, I guess her mom was white or whatever her mom was. But this, like when you say someone could pass. For like six hours, I thought I was taking another tour with a white woman. And then she showed me a picture of her family. And I'm like, oh, oh, all right, sis. And then we just started talking. And it's one of those things where that's an experience that I will never have because the world will never see me as anything but a black woman. Right. But I don't know what that experience is like to be a black woman or to feel that you are a black woman, but the world does not see that about you. And it's just like, you had a whole black ass parent, but you People are now being questioning your, your black identity. Like they're going to think you're trying to appropriate the black yes. culture or claim something that you're not mm-hmm. where it's like, no, but actually. Yeah. So I am. Because I am, whether you see it or not, yeah. I am. But and it's like I've never been someone that wants to or feels the need to tell other people how to identify because what does that mean for me, right? You and your skin is not me and my skin. But it was so interesting to kind of it was like everything she said after that had like another lens. It had another context. Mm-hmm. Because I that's another reason why I tell y'all just please talk to people while you're out there and this is from somebody who don't speak on a regular basis when I tell you I'm very I don't even care if I'm not listening to anything my airpods are in I haven't been on the train since pre-pandemic amen thank god I don't miss it 
But oh, I literally just came from the train tonight from work. Girl, <laughs> I am. I am sorry. Okay, I am sorry because the subway's a shit show. It, it really. I I don't miss it. And I used to. Oof. We'll talk about trains later. But I, you know, fuck. What was I just saying? Well, I never told anybody. Talk to people, and you said you normally don't. Thank you. I don't speak. I'm very. You know. I'm pleasant. You know what I mean. I'm not a complete fucking asshole. But I'm also just not, hey, what's going on? How's your day? You know, I'm not going to do, I don't like small talk. I'm not going to have small mm-hmm. talk with somebody because I get the, in the life of things, right? Where I am working, I'm commuting from work or I'm about to go um, do whatever. I don't know. People with kids, I'm about to go pick up my child. I'm focused on what it is we're going to cook for dinner. I'm focused on now I got to sit through seven year old freaking homework or now I've got to sit through ninth grade math that I didn't get in fucking ninth grade. And so here we are, I'm back. And so whatever, I get everybody's in their space. And I also understand that when I'm traveling, just because I'm on vacation doesn't mean anybody else is on vacation. Mm. But when I do get to those places where I can interact with people, whether it be my bartender, whether it be my taxi driver, whether it be the person that is checking me out at the corner store or my tour guide, this is my window. This is when I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. This is what I'm going to ask you. What's your experience like? What would you suggest? What do you eat here? What do you like? People love talking about themselves. They and as do. soon as they get they going, do. you got them. That's the hook. That's the some of the, the deepest singer. combos is like in an Uber ride, traveling Hello. from the airport, or speaking to that doorman of the hotel. Mm-hmm. I remember I was in Albany, New York, and I don't know how we struck a conversation. And he told me his whole life story on how he ended up in Albany and how he could never do New York City because it's too mm. crowded and all the money. He's like, I got two houses in Albany. I work two like minutes away from this hotel and how like being a black person in Albany is actually quite amazing. And I was like, I would have never known. Sure the fuck not, really. Right. Just random combo. I mean, because I mean, I too am over New York City, bro. You might not be the only one soon. No, I'm saying like move over, brother. <laughs> but I I wonder, okay, so for you, where would you say you had the most pleasant surprise of blackness in your travels? Like mm-hmm. where would be like a, yo, it is so live out here, or I did not expect this here, or for it to be as lively, whether it be in the positive in the reaffirming sense or where was it like oh I was expecting so much more like this is not giving what I was expecting it to give what would have you had both experiences so where I was surprised in terms of like there is more of us than I ever thought was in the twin cities of Minnesota so from the jump of my Uber ride I had a whole conversation with a guy, I think, I don't remember what country was from, but from the motherland. And he just told me how, oh, you didn't realize like there's a whole migration of people in Minnesota because there's so many jobs available and because Chicago is too expensive because Chicago is like their New York, basically, okay. for the Midwest. And so as a result, there's so many of them that move to Minnesota because it's great jobs and it's really affordable and it proved to be right because I started seeing more like I I went to like a Trini restaurant for example I was seeing in the museum they had a whole section on how 
you know, there was a migration because many of them are refugees mm. and there's like a partnership with the government to send them to Minnesota. So I was like, oh, we are out here. We are flourishing up in Minnesota. Okay. I was like, and the irony is Minnesota is one of the coldest places in the United States for winter. Like they had a whole exhibit in a museum of how it literally is like the amount of snow that hits Minnesota because it's so far north. And I'm like, to have a bunch, this many Black folk here. And he I was guess. telling me his story of when he arrived in Minnesota, how it was in the thick of winter. Oh, and from the motherland, huh? Can you imagine? Like, what a way to. <laughs> I'd be so fucking hot. Like, I'd be so fucking pissed. What, what, like. <laughs> Can you like I I am not a cold girl. I don't enjoy the cold at all. People that do, I'm not even going to judge you. Everybody likes different shit. It ain't my thing. I cannot imagine like being colder than I am now. That's the one thing that, you know what, actually I I rescind my vote for Albany. It's too cold up there. I'm yeah that, that, that's that's Never the mind. only part right like yeah that, I was wilding I was yeah. wilding I can't do that <laughs> I lied that's not gonna happen so that was domestically internationally where I was shocked mm-hmm. was Oslo Norway huh. uh, because I you know I'm just like okay Scandinavia like yeah it's just like white as white like as white as you can get um uh, but I was seeing a lot of interracial people. So I'm like, okay, so a mixing we hear happened <laughs> somehow. Yep. And I remember passing by a school and I was just like blinking my eyes of like, am I seeing children in hijabs hanging out with black people? Like mm. it's just like, everyone is just all mingling. And, ha- and there was a mural of a black man as an astronaut. In oh wow right like to for of all places of oslo norway yeah to see that type of mural of a black person as an astronaut i was like oh and so when i left that trip and i started googling the demographics i was like oh interesting like i never realized they're having a huge shift of like a huge influx of immigration and so as much as 30 percent of their population are actually immigrants in comparison to like Iceland or Denmark, like nor like they are actually like the diversity of Scandinavia. (laughs) And that makes sense because first of all, jealous, my layover in Oslo got, I don't remember where I was, but I laid over in Oslo and then went to, um, Tromsø. That's where I ended up spending two nights, three days, three days, two nights, something like that. I strictly went for the Northern Lights and when success, loved it. One of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had in my life. But I was very disappointed. I did not get to leave the airport in Oslo. Like I sat there for mm-hmm. hours, but it was still less time that I was supposed to have. So it was just like, what am I going to do with five, six hours? So I'm not one of the, like, I don't cram it that close. And also I didn't know anybody. There, oh no, so that's be a one thing too close to cram it. Right. You see what I'm saying? It's one thing if I have a cousin, Hey girl, pick me up. We're going to go get something to eat. You got to right. get me back here. Ha ha. 
but it, it right. was just me so I'm, like, I'm just gonna sit here for six hours it kind of sucked but I made it work that being the case what was her name tone was my host in Tromsa and she I want to say was married to a black man and I want to say he was African and she was telling me about her daughter and and it was just like huh here we go now that makes sense it makes sense and I it's not to say that she met him in Oslo but it's just like okay I also as a partnered person I couldn't see allowing my partner to necessarily live someplace where I know that they would be fucking miserable you get what I'm saying right, exactly. so or it's like comfortable oh, right or not in a safe space right mm-hmm. and I know he wouldn't do that for me either so it's just like okay I'm thinking granted not everybody's the same but in my head she was very reasonable you know what I mean so I can't see that she would actively stay in a place where she felt like her partner or her child would be unsafe or in, you know, an uncomfortable, like it's one thing to be uncomfortable, but another thing to be like in danger or just really just at a disadvantage. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that go figure. You made it make sense for me. So what else about your book would you say is a standout type, uh, not standout type of, I'm better than everybody else, but what is, another section because I know you have it broken into um different sections or not just like coffee tea ice oh yeah cream, like there's larger but, larger subsection yeah. yeah so the subsections and so again the educator in me was like let's come up with a clever acronym to remember how you support the black folk and it it like hit my epiphany I was like oh black spells out what I need it to spell out. Um, so uh-huh. I think black is not just, okay, we're talking about black people. Like black is actually an acronym that stands for buy, learn, amplify, celebrate knowingly. So those are basically the five steps you need to do if you're trying to support the black community. Mm-hmm. And how do you, um, not correlate, but in term, because I know that there was a section, or at least at some point, I came across where it's you don't necessarily have to do it just on your travels. Like it's more of a way of life. It's something to yes, implement. Yes. And if you want to speak to that, yeah. So especially in the beginning, and I think in the end, in the afterward, I literally explain, okay, how does this look like if you're doing this in your travel, and how does this look like in your everyday life? So. When I think of my everyday life, so buying black, thinking about, okay, have you opened up your cabinet to see like how many things actually come from black owned companies or look at your closet is, do you have wardrobes of things? Like for me, I love t-shirts with a message. So Mm -hmm. I buy a lot of t-shirts from black owned companies. I also buy, you know, lipstick from lip bar, you know, a black owned company. So do you even have one or two items like in your house of everyday products that can come from black owned companies? I think the learn black. So again, it doesn't have to be in your travel. Like, do you actually know your local black history? And this epiphany came to me because um, I remember during the pandemic, cause you know, we couldn't really go anywhere else. Right. This was where I started to like re 
engage with New York as a tourist attraction. I'm like, oh, so many people come here, but I'm always like the next flight out. And so yeah. I found, um, I think it might've been through Airbnb or something. I was searching black history tours in New York city. And I realized I had no idea about the entire mm-hmm. Wall Street area and Bowling Green and Federal Hall and the significance of Black history or like one of the biggest like oyster houses was owned by a Black person and was the part on the Underground Railroad. Was that in, uh, what was the Netflix show? Uh, How on the Hog? Was that? Did they High on the, the Hog, or- yeah. So that I took that so tour good. and then when I watched High on the That's Hog. That's a tour? So high on the hog um, features that information that you would get on that tour. So it wasn't that tour, but it like oh. literally the tour had that um, information on okay. there. Um, okay. Or knowing about Chase Bank and like your life insurance and how they used to like use that money for like. <laughs> let me look at that. I was just no, I don't look at any. The ATMs are everywhere, though, girl. The ATMs are everywhere. I know, and that's the thing I've had to like, like sit with of like the convenience versus. So things like that, it was like, okay, this is like where the learn black of like, okay, it's important to know what is happening literally where you live. And then amplify black thinking, okay, how are you elevating other people's voices beyond yourself? Like me, even as a black person, okay, but am I elevating other people, black voices? Am I elevating other people? Because we think it's like, it's not just race as a privilege, right? Like we have gender, we have sexuality. And honestly, I think this framework doesn't just go for Black people. This goes for Latinos, this goes for Indigenous, Mm -hmm. this goes for all people. And so I remember I wrote a blog post where I interviewed like Asian women, like Indigenous women, white women. Like I wanted to get the perspective of every single race on their perspective on Black Lives Matter and how can they do better in the travel space for Black people because that was very timely at that time. And then the celebrate Black, like I'm tired of everything just being rooted in pain and suffering Mm -hmm. and that part of our history. So for me it's just like okay like where are their places like within new york you know they got curl fest there's like all these festivals you know carnival that you can go to to celebrate black or think about in your workplace like how do y'all celebrate black history when it comes around like is it just like a one-off thing or is it something that is actively happening all month long and beyond february and that k part knowingly so are you doing that all with intention And again, another reason why this book is useful in more than just your travels. It can be as big scale, as little scale as you want to make it. The the information is here. The context is now here for you to work with so that if you wanted to do a road trip, if you wanted to do an international trip, if you wanted to do um, a staycation you still have that framework for, okay, maybe I cannot stay at a Black-owned hotel because that's out of my budget, but 
I can absolutely find a Black-owned restaurant that's in my budget back home. I may not be able to, um, because granted, you mentioned it in the book also, Amazon, as much as it's, um, fuck that corporation, it's also, but I also am not ready and not in that space where I can also just make my life more difficult in ways. Right. At this point, it's like, shit is hard, period. So yes, where you right. can find things that are easy, I am all for protecting your peace, protecting your sanity, maintaining mental health. And it's just like, if going out of your way to buy Black-owned toilet paper is really not on the palette for you right now, by all means, pump that break. But see where you can extend yourself and maybe say, all right, well, I don't need, say... um, toothpaste this month I can place I can order it so that when I need it next month now I have black on toothpaste or something like all right well I need a pair of earrings I'm gonna go cop some from shorty on Fulton you know what I mean like I'm gonna get something from a vendor on the street I know he makes them you know what I mean so it's just like I'm gonna listen to him talk about what I'm impressed like appreciate you I just want the one pair oh thank you okay I'll take two how much? I'll give you seven. All right. Well, that's really the whole experience. And run me my change. Yes. And they be so nice. Like, get your shade, butter. Like, do it where you can. We're not saying up, upend your entire life, wipe out right. your closet, Which is clean out the fridge. I'm reading, right. I'm reading a book called The Black Year. Like, there was a family who for an entire year did nothing but Black-owned businesses. And so why I elevate that, because they talk through the struggle. Like, honestly, it's true. Yeah. Depending on where you live, you may not That's be able to thing. buy a Black-owned business with ease. Like, we take yeah. for granted. And mind you, they were in Chicago. So you would have assumed Chicago so would be filled with them. But at that time, it was like, they were saying, like, things were so far out to find where most of the Black-owned, because when you think of things in the downtown, in the busy areas, unfortunately, most of them isn't Black-owned because when you think of, like, the cost of rent. And so, to your point, that's why I try to, like, make it of, like, you can go as little, like, you know, dip your toe in, or you could literally take the deep dive into the ocean. I'm not asking you to take the deep dive into the ocean, but have you at least dipped your toe in it and done so intentionally? Like you, Mm -hmm. did you actually just take a little extra minute to think about what is it that I'm doing? Like, am I actually like in a, in a week, in a month, in a year, what have you done? (laughs) Yeah. Thinking of service providers, like, all right, well, I know that, like, for example, I always wanted to do a Black-owned nail techs, but I know that for me and the the way my schedule works out and the way that this is supposed to be something that is a treat, like, honestly, I just hate sitting that long in one place. So it's not really always enjoyable for me, but I know that I am not good with appointments. I can't set an appointment for, say six o'clock on a Tuesday, if I get out at five 30 and it's going to take me an hour and 45 minutes to even get to you on the train or to drive to you and find some place to park. You know what I mean? So there's certain things that where you can, you make the space for it. I may not be able to, cause I'm a very last minute. All right. You know what? I got the time today. I feel like sitting still today. I'm going to go and go. And, but 
I can't just walk in to a lot of black owned salons because they do appointments. So for me, that's not accessible, but what may be accessible is, all right, you know what? Boom. I'm going to hire a black woman to do, um, I don't know. I have a black woman that does my taxes now. So it's just like, all right, so you concede to make those decisions where you can. And before you know it is you're consciously and knowingly making these decisions. You'll be making them a lot more than you that you thought that you would have been doing in the first place. So it's about being aware of what those options are and what you want them to look like for yourself. Is there anything else for any that you would want to tell the people? Where can we find you? How can we support you? And where can we get your book? Yes. So you can find me online in various spaces. So I'm on Instagram as Franny the Traveler. I'm on my blog as FrannyTheTraveler.com. I'm on Facebook, Franny the Traveler. YouTube, Franny the Traveler. I make it very easy for you to find me as Franny the Traveler. And um, you can find my book on Amazon. So I would also encourage you, like, you can go to your independent bookstore, go to a Black-owned bookstore and recommend Mm -hmm. it. However, my thing was, how do I make this easy access for you so you can start transforming your, you know, habit? So Amazon, it's on there right now. Very easy. Just search support Black period. Princess Francois, it comes up buy a copy. If you got Prime, it will be in your mailbox in one to two days or get the Kindle version like you did. Boom. I did. I'm impatient. I want, I was, I had free time. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I won't wait. Let me just get the digital version because I am notorious. I got a bookcase of books that I am going to read. Oh, I know. We all got that. (laughs) So I'm like, let me get an actual digital copy because it'll be a random day where I'm sitting. I got an extra long lunch break and I'm like, I feel like I want to be smarter. What's on the Kindle? And now I've got something. So you've got the options, folks. Yes. So get it now. It's funny because even I didn't tell my mom that I was writing this book until it was published and I had a physical copy to show her because she's always talked about wanting to write some sort of book or whatever. And I was like, mom, like I actually did it. So it's so cute because everywhere she goes for an appointment to the doctor, to the laundromat, she's she carrying my book and read it. And she's like, I'm really learning a lot. Oh, so like- <laughs> my friend, <he's> mom. <laughs> Franny, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm truly honored to have you here and sharing your story and your wealth of information with the audience. And please visit Franny at FrannyTheTraveler.com and all of her social handles and cop you a copy. I'm also going to make it easier because I am going to give away two digital copies. Um, I don't know how we're going to do it yet. We'll figure it out. Um, so I'll include the, we'll, we'll put it on social. It'll be, um, do you have Twitter? I do have Twitter. I don't use it as much for Fran New Traveler, but I do have a Twitter account. Now. Okay. And I have an Instagram, but I don't really use it that much. So we'll do one and one. We'll do, I yes. do, I love Twitter. So we'll do one on Twitter and we'll do one on Instagram. So I'll, I'll do um, a giveaway, give away two copies of that. And we will on both of our social medias, just let y'all know how to do it at some point yes yes it'll be there follow us on the socials and then you'll see how to get you a copy yes okay so that's it y'all y'all say bye to franny bye Bye.
and I'll see y'all next. Oh, so I didn't even say that travel is so much, so much more than vacation. And in this aspect, it is more than vacation because if you are actively being and engaging and surrounding yourself with blackness on your travels, that's all going to come with you. You don't just interact with black people and forget about it you bring that with you and you learn to grow upon your own history your own story because our story is everywhere our history is everywhere and it doesn't do you any service to ignore that history or those stories while you are abroad so that's that travels more than vacation uh tidbit on that and on that note all right y'all see you next week bye